Welcome everyone to episode 311 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm your host, the Glorious League Freak, and today we are looking, well, I'm looking, at the New South Wales team, which was announced at about, it was announced pretty late, it was announced at about 8pm on Sunday night. Um, I think they had to look at some of the suspensions that were maybe going to be handed down and an injury to Tyson Frizzell. Um, Frizzell wasn't named in the side, so I think that that was why it took them so long. And, you know, the first place I saw the the team put up was on the Fergo and the Freak Instagram page by Nadine. She was on top of everything. She actually got the team that was named first on the New South Wales app, and she posted it on the Instagram account and was like, the team's up, and I'm like, whereabouts is it? And she'd already posted it. It was great. It was fantastic. So I'm willing to say Fergo and the Freak had an exclusive on that. Um, so let's have a look at this team. I'll go through it basically by position, and we will talk about who was left out of the team. There's a couple of selections. Overall, I'm happy with the side, but there's a couple of selections which are interesting that uh, we'll get to. So the fullback is James Tedesco. He's also the captain. That was always going to be the case. Uh, there's not really much to say about that, although it is interesting. I saw James Tedesco being interviewed on Fox Sports before they named the side, actually, and they brought up when he was knocked out in last year's series and it, Jai Arrow, I don't know if you'll, you'll remember this, Jai Arrow didn't know he'd been knocked out and sort of grabbed him and threw him back to the ground and they were trying to make a thing out of it and James Tedesco just didn't care. It was really interesting. Um, so James Tedesco is the fullback and captain. The wingers, Josh Adokar, number one, uh, obvious choice, the best winger in the game, one of the best wingers of all time. On the other wing, it is Penrith Panther, Brian To who's been named. And I would suggest that if you went back, say, six weeks, the New South Wales team would have probably selected another fullback or, you know, maybe Tupo on the wing. Uh, we might have even seen Morris on the wing. But Brian To's form over the last six weeks has been outstanding. He's been making so many yards from the wing position for the Panthers. They really couldn't leave him out. There'll be some talk about, is he too short? I don't think that'll be a problem. I think Queensland will be, you know, not too happy with having to tackle him for 80 minutes. He's such a bulldozer as a winger. So I thought he was a great choice. He would have been in my team. Now the centres. I thought they might go for specialist centres. I actually thought they might have gone for the Panther centres um, in Crichton and Burton. Now, Burton would have been like a real bolter. I understand that. But I thought that their form had been fantastic. New South Wales have gone in a different direction. Brad Fittler selected Latrell Mitchell and Tom Trebojevic in the centres. Two, uh, two fullbacks, which is interesting. Uh, Latrell Mitchell has had a couple of games for New South Wales. Hasn't really set the world on fire in those couple of games, but I think he's been a little bit unlucky as well. I've got no no doubt he'll be great in the centres. For Tom Trebojevic, he's in great form at fullback for the Seagulls. 
Um, we'll see how he goes. He can't be any worse than the centres we picked last year. That's for sure. So I've got no real problems there for the fullback, the wingers and the centres that have been selected. In the halves, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary, the Penrith combination. Uh, I think this is a great move by Fitler. They're the form halves com- combination in the in the competition. Um, Cleary is a different player than he was uh, even last year. He's He's gone to a completely different level. And I think Lawai, he started the season off a little bit, um, how would you say, not out of form. He just wasn't getting involved as much. And as the season went on, he's really got involved. He has been that other option in attack. He And the thing about these two is their defense is fantastic. Like, we're going to have no problems defensively in the halves. So I didn't mind that selection either. Now, we go for the front row. The two front rowers are interesting. On one side, you've got Daniel Saifidi, who, you know, he's been there. I don't know that his form is all that great, but we'll see how he goes. He's pretty mobile for a big dude, which is good. The other prop that Fitler's gone for is Jake Trebojevich, which is an interesting one. Um, I, I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest with you. We were always going to have to need a lot of mobility in this New South Wales team just because of the rule set we're playing under. So I guess that they're looking along those lines. I think Jake Trebojevic hasn't been in good form this year. Um, Over the last couple of weeks, he has been better, but I don't know if it's enough to have put him into my state of origin team. But nevertheless, he's there in the front row. The hooker is Damian Cook. Um, which I think it was always going to be Damian Cook. There's been a lot of people saying that Cook hasn't been in great form for Souths. I think Souths forwards, the fact that they've not been going well over the last probably month and a half, that really has hurt Cook's ability to get out of dummy half. I've got no doubt he'll be fine for New South Wales playing at hooker, so that's not a problem. Now the back row, we've got Cam Murray, we've got Tariq Sims, and we've got Isaiah Yo. I like this back row. Uh, you got some some workmen there. Uh, Murray's a very good player. He's had a great season. Yo is a great player. Really good footwork for someone his size. And Sims gives you a little bit of punch. He's, he's been a good player this year. Um, and so I've got no problems with that back row. Now we go to the bench. And it's some interesting selections here. Jack Whiten on the bench. I don't understand it. I think Whiten's form this year has been terrible. Uh, I can't believe he's in the team. You know, I can understand that he could cover in the centres if needed. He could probably cover fullback if needed. You could put him in the back row. Uh, he could play 5-8 if you had to. But it's still a it's a little bit of a weird one. Um, he's, his form has just been terrible. Junior Paulo... I love Junior Paulo. I probably would have started with him. He's a fantastic player. Huge with the go forward. Got a nice offload. Uh, can't go wrong with him. Payne Haas. He should be fine. He's coming off the bench. I think that's an interesting choice. It'll be interesting to see the side that Queensland picks because I could see where Haas or Paulo starts 
for Trebojevic or maybe Sim, Tariq Sims goes to the bench, but we'll wait and see on that. And then Liam Martin for the Panthers. He is the 17th man. Um, good ball runner. He's been playing off the bench for the Panthers this year, so he's used to that role. Uh, he will come in and, you know, he can cause some problems for Queensland. So that I thought that that was a good selection too. And I think he was probably brought in for Tyson Frizzell. And then they've named an 18th and 19th player. Now, the 18th man, I believe, will not be able to play for his club side uh, in this coming round. And the 18th man is Api Corosau, who obviously can play hooker. So he's cover for, I guess he's cover for uh, Cook if Cook gets injured. He, look, he could come into the team uh, at the last minute if needed. But, you know, for an 18th man, he's a he's a safe option. He's a good defender, good out of dummy half. And, it you know, they've named a pretty good bench uh, and a big bench as well. So Coruscant would give them just a little bit of versatility if they needed to call on him if somebody gets knocked out. And then 19th man is Campbell Graham, who, big centre, you know, I understand why they've got him in their side. You know, if one of the centres gets injured or if even Tedesco gets injured, you know, he, he covers that position. So there you go. That's the New South Wales team. So from 1 to 19, I'll read through them again. It is James Tedesco, Josh Adokar, Latrell Mitchell, Tom Trebojevic, Brian To'o, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, Daniel Saifidi, Damian Cook, Jake Trebojevic, Cameron Murray, Tariq Sims, Isaiah Yo, Jack Whiten, Junior Paulo, Payne Haas, Liam Martin, Api Corusau, and Campbell Graham. I have to say overall, I don't mind this side. I think they've chose a lot of informed players. I think it's got pretty good versatility. I don't think there's anybody that is so out of position or so out of form that they really jump out outside of Whiten, but I can see why they've picked Whiten as well at the same time. Um, good side, good side. As for who has been left out, uh, look, Angus Crichton would have been in there if not for his suspensions. Um, you know, Tyson Frizzell, I think, would have been in there. He obviously... He's got a leg injury that come out of that Newcastle game, so that's no good for him. Victor Radley, I think, would have been one of the first selected if he hadn't have got a five-week suspension um, for basically everything, his existence. And, yeah, nice side. I will, I will put up a quicker podcast when Queensland names its team. They're going to name their team on Monday. So it will be a, a bit of a short episode, obviously, but they wait to name their team. I think they have a big official function up in Queensland for their one, whereas New South Wales tends to leak it to the media all day and then name it really late at night. So there you go. Now, the venue we're playing at will also be confirmed on Monday. I will add that venue confirmation to the Queensland team when I do that podcast. I tend to think that they're going to move it away from Melbourne. 
most of the talk has been that it will move to Townsville, but the New South Wales government has said they will stand in and offer Bankwest Stadium and try and get the game played there. I don't know why they would play it at Bankwest. You'd kind of just played it, you know, the Olympic Stadium at Homebush. But, you know, who knows what's going to go on with that. I still wouldn't be shocked if the game was played in Canberra. And I've got my fingers crossed that they're going to play the game in Auckland, but that's a very, very, very long shot. So we'll wait and see. So what do you think about this side? Um, The New South Wales team is always really polarising. And... But I haven't seen any huge criticisms of the team so far. You've got a lot of plays in there from Penrith, but you'd expect that. They're undefeated. It's going to be interesting to see how Penrith go go this weekend without all of these plays in their team. I think we play the Tigers. So if the Tigers can't beat a Penrith team with all of these Panthers players out of it, man, they've got some real problems. But we'll wait and see on that one. Now, in other rugby league news... There were some murmurings and rumours going around that prominent players in the NRL and prominent people in the NRL are looking to remove Peter Volandis from his position as the chairman of the head of the Australian Rugby League. There are a lot of people that are upset at Volandis and it all comes down to the way that he has handled these rule changes that he basically has done of his own volition. You know, there was no consultation with the referees. There was no consultation with the players, no consultation with the coaches. He just sort of come out and said, we're going to have these rules. In fact, the only person that I heard him really, he talked about consulting with was the former head of Channel 9 at the start of last year or the restart of last year after COVID. And that man was the one that put forward the idea of this six again rule, which has been terrible for the game. Um, we've just watched another weekend of football where so many plays have been sent off. There's been so many players who have been put on report. It's absolutely ridiculous at this point. Um, also inconsistent calls with who gets sent off and who doesn't. And I think everyone's had enough of it really quickly. I worry that it's really, really going to ruin this first State of Origin game. I think that the Players Association is offside, which is a bad thing for the NRL, or for Volandis anyway. The I th- the referees aren't going to say it because they're employed by the NRL, but I think they all hate these rules as well. And one of the things to watch for in these games is that the number one official in a rugby league match now is no longer the on-field referee. It is now the person that's in the video referee spot because what you're seeing is play going downfield and it will be stopped by the referee and he is told stuff. He's told something happened back four tackles ago. He has to stop play. He asks where it happens. He runs 40 metres back upfield and they tell him who to call out and what it's for and to give that person 10 in the bin or not. That's not how rugby league's supposed to be managed. And the fact that the number one official in the game is no longer the man on the field with the whistle is a massive problem, and I don't think anybody likes it. All of the games have been ruined by these new rule sets. Um, teams are tired. The fatigue levels are terrible. 
the injury levels are high because of that. Players are being sent off in between that. It's just turned the the closest sporting competition in the world into one where most of the games are absolute blowouts and most of them aren't fun to watch. Like, it's a real grind to watch a lot of these games. And there were so many games this weekend, and I watch all the games. There's so many games this weekend that I'm watching them. And I'm thinking to myself, I can't believe there's still 20 minutes left in this game. Like, they just go on and on forever. And they talked about wanting to have less stoppages. Well, as it stands right now, the referee can stop the game. You've got the two captains can stop the game to challenge a referee's call. You've got the touch judges that can stop the game. You've got the man in the video referee's box who can stop the game. And like he can stop the game at any point he wants, but he can also stop the game when a try has been scored. But then you've got all of the trainers who can also stop the game when they feel like they need to take a player from the field. And it's just a mess right now. So rugby league has turned into this stop-start affair where we've got a rule set which is so pedantic and ridiculous. Players are getting sent off in a variety of different ways and then others are being left on the field that should have been sent off. And we're not really seeing a flowing game of rugby league anymore. Everything's just stopped so we can do like... It's hard to explain. It's like we're, we're stopping because of a a pedantic set of rules and it's not fun to watch it's really not fun to watch so you know something's got to be done I would just roll all the rules back to what they were before the COVID break because there was nothing wrong with the game back then um, it was a tight competition you know we it, yet most games were close and I thought I think the football was better as well I think the football we're seeing at the moment is not very good football to be honest with you and I say that as my team's leading the competition so it's not even like I'm I've got one of the teams that are down the bottom of the ladder and I'm not I'm, I'm unhappy with the season I just don't like the footy we're playing in the NRL at the moment my team's winning every game so that says something how it would all work out I'm not really sure I think that we would have to see pressure put on the rest of the Australian Rugby League Commission to either get Volandis to stand down or to move aside and have another chairman or chairperson. Um, Whoever it is, and I think Volandis, if he was asked that, he would leave completely. But whoever steps in needs to be somebody that's not scared of rugby league. They need to be somebody that will stand up and say, look, this game might not be the game for everyone to play. And what you see at the elite level is not what you see in the lower grades and it is not what your child will be playing on the weekend. Because I think the idea that you would change the professional level of the sport that is played by professional athletes in the, with the idea that it is going to make somebody who is umming and ahhing make the final decision on whether their kid is going to play in the under fives or under sixes or whatever. I think that's crazy. I think that's absolutely crazy. And I don't think it makes a difference to those people. Like if you're not, if you don't want your kid to play rugby league, what is happening at the NRL level is not going to change your mind. So I think all of these decisions that they've made are ridiculous. And I think that 
they've got to really focus on how they treat players when they do get head knocks. You know, it's always been a penalty if you hit a player in the head. You've always been able to get sent off if you really attack a player's head. Um, but at the same time, none of it matters if a player is going to get switched off and we let them run back out in the field the next week like they're fine and, and nothing's happened and they didn't get a, a brain injury by being switched off the previous week. I personally think that's the area where the NRL is lacking. And, you know, if the NRL is worried about litigation, I would suggest that, you know, it's more the clubs. They're the ones that really need to worry. And they need to look after their players better when they have been concussed. We've already seen some players sue clubs and former club doctors. And I think that is more the way that players would be going rather than doing some big class action lawsuit against the NRL. People line up what happened in the NFL and have said that's what we'll see in rugby league. And it's not like that. Like, you've got to look at what was happening in the NFL. Players were dying in their 40s and early 50s and sometimes in their late 30s. And when they started examining their brains, their brains were that of an 80-year-old person. And it was a, it was like an epidemic of this started to happen. The other thing is that the NFL is a game where you use your head not only as a weapon in attack, so you'll put your head down for a collision, but in defense, they would use their head as a weapon. And on the offensive and defensive lines, the first thing that everyone does is smash their heads together. It's a very, very, very different sport to rugby league. And any time that the NFL was shown anything about what concussions were doing to players and how they needed to be reduced or players needed looked after better, they swept it under the carpet. They did not want to hear it. They actively worked against it. The NRL has never done that. Going back decades now, they have taken the current guidelines from doctors and medical professionals and said, hey, you know, we're going to, you know, have players go off for head injury assessments and all this sort of stuff. And so I, I don't think you can draw a line between the NRL and NFL at all. I think they're two very, very different circumstances. And I think we need someone running the game that understands that and that is willing to stand up and say, look, we're confident in rugby league. We're confident in our rule set. We're confident in how we look after players as well. And that's the key at the end of the day. We have to look after our players when they get a head knock. It is no longer good enough for have, to have them run back out in the field next week like nothing happened. I think, you know, mandatory stand-downs are pretty harsh. If it was a one-week mandatory stand-down, if you didn't pass a HIA in a game, I'd have no problems with that. Um, you know, and from there, it needs to be left in the hand of, of doctors. And, you know, I don't know if the NRL appoints um, specialists in this area that players go to to assess when they can come back, but something needs to be done. You know, it, it can't go on like this.
So we'll see what happens. I I'd be shocked if Philandis did end up getting ousted. I've had I saw somebody on Twitter saying that they expected him not to be around next year in terms of being the head of the NRL anyway, and that he was going to stand down at the end of the year. I don't get that sense, but I think we need change and we need somebody running the game that is confident in the game. And so we'll see what happens. But look, if the players are against him, the coaches come out against him, the big one would be the referees because that would be very ballsy of the referees to come out against him. You've got a lot of people in the media that are changing their tune on him, especially after these rule changes. There's very few people that are really confident in what he's been doing lately, and I think fans hate it. I think the vast majority of fans hate what has happened to the game. So that is something that could be brewing under the surface of the sport for the next, man, who knows, however long it takes. And I think if... This first State of Origin game is a mess and we see players getting sent off and it's a blowout or, you know, the game is ruined by how many players are sent to the bin, which is not out of the question because that's what we've seen in a lot of NRL games. I think that we could see the the momentum of going and trying to oust Peter Volandis really stepping up. And look, if Volandis goes... You've got to get rid of Graham Annesley because he's involved in it as well with his stupid little Monday variety show. I mean, that's ridiculous that he's doing that. I'd leave Andrew Abdo in there in the CEO role because the guy just he doesn't really do anything. So at this stage, I don't mind somebody that doesn't stuff everything up. I think that's probably a good thing. So there we go. That's uh, They're the two big news items. As for the games this weekend that I watched... You know, not really much to write home about. The Panthers won again. Uh, Pretty easy win over the Bulldogs. It was weird to see the way that people on Twitter were carrying on when the Panthers weren't up by 40 points after 40 minutes. But they did what they had to do. You know, they scored one really fantastic try through uh, Stephen uh, Crichton. But, yeah, they kind of did what they had to do. The last game between Manly and Newcastle was a pretty interesting game. Once again, it was stuffed around with all of these send-offs and stuff. But Newcastle come out and they, they played pretty well. They didn't play ridiculously well, but they just played with a bit of backbone. And as myself and Jessica were talking about Jessica Dunn in the last episode before this one, hopefully you've listened to that by now, um... You know, this Newcastle side has rolled over and died a lot this year. So to see them go on and win the match, it was a pretty interesting, uh, interesting game. So it was good to see them win for Jessica anyway, because she's been having a real rough time of it, supporting the Knights. Um, I see, I don't know what that's like, because I'm a Panthers fan. Anyway, go to our Instagram page. It is active. It is humming along. Nadine's got that thing going great. We've got some interesting guests coming up this week. I'm not going to tell you who they are. You'll just have to find out. I'm going to try and get that stats guy on. I mean, what's he doing bludgeon looking after a baby? Come on, it's been a week, Andrew. Surely that thing can look after itself by now. Far out. 
go to leaguefreak.com. I'm very active on there at the moment. Um, there's a few things that you'll probably find are funny, some things you'll find interesting. Uh, I'm not just writing about rugby league on there at the moment. I'm writing about a, diff- a lot of different sports. So go there. Go to rugbyleaguepodcastingnetwork.com. There's all the best independent podcasts in rugby league on the one site. So you're sure to like that one. Go to furgoonthefreak.com. That's our website. You will enjoy that. We've got everything. We've got a section for all the guests we've had on, which is really cool. We've had so many guests. It's pretty amazing. We've got a section for all the history episodes as well. So if you want to go back and like see all of the history episodes in one place, furgoonthefreak.com. Click on the history part. Um, also, go to rugbyleagueproject.org. If you want any rugby league statistic on planet Earth, that's the place to go to. Uh, I highly recommend it. I think we all use it, to be honest. So go there. Also, Patreon. What we want is for you to get $2, okay, of your whatever sort of money you're using. It's all in the ether these days anyway. You go to patreon.com forward slash RL project. Put a dollar in that one. Go to patreon.com forward slash league freak. No space. Put a dollar in that one. And that helps both me and Andrew with our website costs, um, costs for the podcast, because there are costs for the podcast and things like that. And it's always much appreciated. Like, we love all of the support we get and we don't take it for granted. It means the absolute world to us. So, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Fergo and the Freak. Uh, next episode, apart from... Well, the next episode is probably going to be the Origin one where I tell you the Queensland team and where we're going to play Origin one. And then following that, we should have a special guest or two on. But you'll have to find out who that is. So, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends to subscribe and I hope your week starts out really, really well.